Hello and welcome. This is Perspective for Parents. My name is Nick Thompson, and this is a podcast for parents of adolescents. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Well, here goes. I'm going to talk about how this pandemic can hopefully be used to provoke the perspective needed to prioritize people, purpose, and physical wellness. I want to be clear that I think what's going on is truly, truly scary. It's awful. And obviously, I feel like every podcast says is, please follow all the recommendations of the CDC and the World Health Organization. However, I'm going to spend this episode not talking so much about that. There's plenty of information on that. There's an abundance of information on just how scary, terrifying, awful this is. Plus, a lot of that information is from actual experts. I'm no doctor. I'm definitely not an expert in epidemiology, in the impact on the stock market, our finances, what this will do for employment, or anything like that. Instead, I'm going to take some time to talk about how we can, how it's possible to look at this in part with an opportunity mindset. I've been reading a lot of Irv Yalom's work recently. He's my guy. He's definitely my guy when life is filled with uncertainty. So uh, I'm going to share a piece of his book. The book's called Love's Executioner. Again, by Irv Yalom. He says, Most of us, most of the time, live comfortably by uneasily avoiding the glance of death, by chuckling and agreeing with a quote, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. But there is another way, a long tradition, a tradition that teaches us that full awareness of death ripens our wisdom and enriches our life. Now, from a different book by Yalom, entitled The Gift of Therapy, many other great works of literature contain a similar message. For example, in War and Peace, Pierre, the protagonist, is transformed after a last-second reprieve from a firing squad. Scrooge, in A Christmas Carol, does not suddenly become a new man because of Yuletide cheer. Rather, his transformation occurs when the spirit of the future permits him to witness his own death and the strangers squabbling over his possessions. The message in all of these works is simple and profound, though the physicality of death destroys us. The idea of death may save us. And continuing to share some more of Yalom's words, he speaks of two modes of existence, the everyday mode and the ontological mode. In the everyday mode, we are consumed with and distracted by material surroundings. We are filled with wonderment about how things are in the world. In the ontological mode, we are focused on being. That is, we are filled with wonderment that things are in the world. When we exist in the ontological mode, the realm beyond everyday concerns, we are in a state of particular readiness for personal change. 
Yalom writes, but how do we shift from the everyday mode to the ontological mode? Philosophers often speak of boundary experiences, urgent experiences that jolt us out of the everydayness and rivet our attention upon being itself. The most powerful boundary experience is a confrontation with one's own death. Or as he says later in the chapter, we must not neglect the fact that the death of the other also serves to confront each of us in a stark and poignant manner with our own death. So I think that's what's going on for a lot of people. This pandemic is a boundary experience. While yes, many people are focused on their savings, you know, the stock market, what will happen with, with the schools, the personal and collective inconveniences that this has caused. But I think underlying all of that for so many people is the awareness of our finite nature. Memento mori, or in English, remember death. The message of memento mori is not designed to promote fear, anxiety, or panic, but it is actually meant to inspire. It is meant to inspire change in our lives. The phrase memento mori is believed to have originated from an ancient Roman tradition where there was like a a servant who would be tasked with standing behind the victorious general as they paraded through town, up and down the streets. And as the general would stand there, you know, shoulders back, chin up, just basking in the cheers of the crowd and just absorbing the glory of victory, the servant who was behind him would continue to whisper in the general's ear throughout the entire procession, Respice poste, hominem te esse momento, momento mori, which means, look behind you. Remember that you are just a man. Remember that you will die. So this might sound odd, but I build things into my life to remind myself that I'm going to die. Some people think it's a bit over the top, maybe. Morbid, depressing. And I'd like to share with you how I see it differently. How I tried to take the message, Momento Mori, as one of inspiration. So in my own life, I try to put these boundary experiences, as we're talking about, these reminders in my life. I use three main different approaches that I call perspective gifts, the gift of perspective. So in my office, which I'm in right now, if you look around, there's uh, quite a few of these little plastic skulls, plastic human skulls. And get them at, uh, at Hobby Lobby if you're interested over the Halloween season. So when somebody comes into my office and sees them, they often ask, what, you know, what's, what's that about? And I share with them. And I heard this story, and I, I, I tried to find it last night and don't know the validity of it, but I like it, that um, there are these Buddhist monks, particular Buddhist monks, that in their dormitories, they would have an actual human skull just kind of sitting in the corner. And there'd be like Westerners who would tour their dormitories or visit them, and they would see the skull 
He's like, whoa, that's super depressing. That's morbid. Why do you have that in your room? And the monks would be like, no, 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 no. It's not depressing at all. Every day I wake up and I see that. I see the skull and I'm reminded that one day I will die. But on the other side of that is this realization that today I am alive. Therefore, today is amazing. Therefore, I should be filled with gratitude and urgency about living the life that I want to live. So the little skull thing is the first thing that I do to try to remind myself of memento mori. And so it's so great. They're set up in my office in these different places. They kind of just stare me in the eye. And it's so helpful when I'm stressed out at my office and I'm overwhelmed. Feeling as if my current circumstance, my current stressors are truly significant. I'll see one of those skulls. And it's the most beautiful reminder. Oh, remember, you're going to die someday, Nick. And the reminder allows me to more objectively look at the circumstances in my life and to move into a place of gratitude. The second thing that is just built into my life is the location of my office. As I sit here, I am looking across the street at a funeral home and crematory. Yep, my office is right next to a funeral home and crematory. And I love that it is. I park closer to the funeral home than I do my actual office. I'm often stressed coming into work, leaving work, and it's, this, again, this wonderful reminder that everything is fleeting, everything fades. And I should actually be so thankful, so psyched to go into work. Or when I'm leaving, so thankful, reflecting on how lucky I am to do what I do. And on occasion, you may think this one's uh, really morbid, but I'll be sitting in my office, again, consumed by some stress, some anxiety, some fear. And I will see a puff of smoke come out of the crematory. An actual puff. You want to talk about a perspective gift? Yeah. Oh, I did share it. I I have it written into my will that I will be cremated at the funeral home there. That funeral home. The one where I parked my car next to. I cannot tell you how significant, how impactful those random perspective gifts of puffs of smoke going up in the air are. When I realize someday that'll be me. Puff of smoke going up into the air. But today is not that day. And therefore, today is truly incredible. Okay, on to my third boundary experience that I build into my life. So I schedule this before I start work every Monday. I sit down, pull up my laptop, and I watch Alan Watts' YouTube video entitled, Life is Not a Journey. Please, please check it out. I'll provide a link for it in the show notes. But today, I've decided I'm going to share the words of my man, Alan Watts, in my best Alan Watts voice imitation. So please, feel free to give feedback on my accent. 
And I'm only doing this because if you listen to Mr. Watts, he was a playful, fun, loving dude. who just had a great sense of humor. So I actually don't think he would mind what I'm about to do. And just maybe to add to the experience a bit, if you could just imagine, you know, some violins maybe playing in the background may add to the experience and, and distract you from just how poor of an attempt uh, this English accent will be. All right, here goes. The physical universe is basically playful. There is no necessity for it whatsoever. It isn't going anywhere. That is to say, it doesn't have some destination that it ought to arrive at, but that it is best understood by the analogy with music. Because music, as an art form, is essentially playful. We say you play the piano. You don't work the piano. Why? Music differs from, say, travel. When you travel, you are trying to get somewhere. In music, though, one doesn't make the end of the composition the point of the composition. If that were so, the best conductors would be those who played the fastest, and there would be composers who only wrote finales. People would go to a concert just to hear one crackling chord, because that's the end. But we don't see that as something brought by our education into our conduct. We have a system of schooling, which gives a completely different impression. It's all graded. And what we do is we put the child in the corridor of the grade system with a kind of, come on, kitty, kitty, kitty. And you go on to kindergarten. And that's a great thing because when you finish that, you get into first grade. Then a, come on, come on. First grade leads to second grade, and so on. And then you get out of grade school and go into high school, and it's revving up. The thing is coming. Then you're going to college. Then you've got graduate school. And then when you're through with graduate school, you go out to join the world. Then you get into some racket selling things, and they've got that quota to make, and you're going to make that. And all the time, the thing is coming. It's coming. It's coming, that great thing the success you're working for. Then when you wake up one day, about 40 years old, you say, my God, I've arrived. I'm there. And you don't feel very different from what you've always felt. You realize there was a hoax, a dreadful hoax, a hoax that made you miss everything. We thought of life by analogy with a journey with a pilgrimage, which had a serious purpose at the end, and the thing was to get to that end, success or whatever it is. But we missed the point the whole way along. It was a musical thing, and you were supposed to sing or dance while the music was being played. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you would like to find more information about this podcast or my upcoming presentations, please check out my website, perspectiveforparents.com. Spelled out, that's perspective, 
the number four parents.com. Thanks again. <laughs>